whoever is listening, however you're listening, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann. This is the Man with a Plan podcast, episode 34. It feels a little weird. It's back to our usual, I guess the way I call it is the one-on-one because I'm no longer doing an interview, at least for right now. Guys, if you haven't checked it out, episodes 32 and 33 are out. We interviewed the executive producer of the Jim Rome Show, Adam Hawk. Adam, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for doing it. And likewise for Coach J.W. Myers for episode 33. If you are listening to this, Coach, thank you guys both for coming on. You guys were fantastic interviews, and you have put this podcast in places I have never even fathomed or dreamed of. It's been a great couple weeks making these interviews, calling these guys, building relationships. That's so it's what's so great about making a show like this and Numbers really never matter to me. It's about building this relationship and building this foundation, getting myself, my craft, my passion, getting better at it. It's something that I just really enjoy, and I have nothing but thanks to give to you guys. I could go on and on and on for 25 minutes instead of just talking about sports, which we're going to do. I could just go, thank you guys. Thank every single person that's either reposted my stuff, because I know I do it a lot. I know I ask a lot out of you guys. Just thank you. It means so much to me. We are on a track for just greatness. We're going to do so many great things. I've been shooting my, I guess you could say shooting the shot at these football players, these executives, these, just anybody that would love to come on and talk sports, talk life, talk anything, just to be in this circle and join this community. So guys, stay tuned for that. But for today, we're going to talk about a variety of things. Now, before I say what we're going to talk about, there's a level of consistency that I want to reach with being a football podcast first because always and first and foremost, we are a football podcast. We're going to be talking football majority of the time, but I do like to branch out when things happen and th- events occur that interest me and that I could maybe talk about for three to four minutes and to take a whole segment because I think for sports and especially in general, if I can talk about more things, then it makes me better as a podcaster, it makes me better as a content creator. So I think Moving forward, obviously, I know you guys, football, college football, the NFL, spring football, whatever it is, we're going to be that first. But like when the NBA playoffs happen or something really cool happens, like which we're about to talk about, I really like to branch out occasionally and get that stuff. But today we're going to talk about the Floyd Mayweather-Logan Paul fight very briefly. I want to do some impressions on that because it was an event and something like that is something... Something like that is something. Come on, Grace. Something like that is just so fascinating to me that I really love to talk about it. We're going to talk about Julio Jones, the big trade that happened over the weekend. Finally, we're going to talk about college football free agency and why college football needs their own big event to stay relevant during the offseason. And then we're going to wrap it up with the NBA playoffs, talk about my impressions, my son's team that I've been hoping makes the NBA finals, took down the big dogs in LeBron and Anthony Davis. So we'll talk about that later. Let's start with the Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather fight and you're like what in the world is this dude talking about this is a football podcast so I emphasize I am not a boxing expert by any means but I wanted to talk about it just because I spent the 50 bucks on it so I'm going to talk about it I really wanted to talk about how the heck we got a YouTuber a Vine dude and Logan Paul who's just a nut and then personally to me he's a maniac both of those Paul brothers are but I think when there's so there's something so fascinating about a sport where you can put celebrities in it and it's still entertaining. And I was been I've been back and forth on this for the last couple days, especially since the fight happened. I said, how long can boxing keep this trick up? Because I love watching a good fight. I love watching the UFC with Conor McGregor. I love watching Floyd Mayweather fight. But I was like, 
how long can they keep this charade up of getting these celebrities who've never boxed in their life to come out here and make like, and apparently it makes good money. So I might be just wrong, but this trick of putting celebrities in the ring and seeing how it goes, because there was a lot of hugging, there was a lot of leaning on each other, but, and the size difference too made it really interesting. But Logan Paul and Jake Paul are, I guess they're trying to take the sport seriously. And I guess fighting someone like Floyd Mayweather for a butt ton of money makes things a little different. But I think it's something that we've come to with boxing. And you're going to say, Grayson, you have no idea what you're talking about. But it's weird because I think five years ago, if you had told me that celebrities were going to start just picking and choosing when they're going to fight and doing these smaller shows and smaller PVV programs, it's weird. And I, I think when I was, I guess when Vine was popular, I was in middle school and I loved Vine. It was so cool. It was so creative. And I saw this post that my friend sent me. It says this domino effect of what we've come to of just this six-second clip that everyone can express themselves on, and now we have YouTubers and Vine stars fighting Logan Paul, Floyd Mayweather, Tyron Woodley, Conor McGregor has been challenged by Jake Paul. It's crazy that we've come to this point in such a sport that I don't really watch often, but when there's a really good fight and a good like card, I love just sitting down with my friends, my family, and just like, it's this big thing, and so many great things can happen from it, especially when there's fans there. I think that's something that boxing really feeds off of is that energy in the crowd. Whether it's this sport event or this like theatrical WWE or the more serious UFC, it's such a unique sport where you can combine these personalities because you couldn't throw Jake Paul or Logan Paul out there on like the Broncos and tell them, hey, go, go get open for a pass for Drew Locker. Tell Cam Newton, hey, um, Jake Paul's going to be playing tight end for you. It's just something that can't happen in football or basketball. But they have those celebrity games like in basketball, where they can bring Stephen A. Smith out to coach, and that's fun, but we all know it's not for real. They're trying to make this celebrity thing a normal in the sport, and that's something that's so fascinating and so out there for me. I love what that is. Part of me was like, this can't be, this isn't sustainable for boxing, this can't last, because eventually it's going to get old, you're going to get a couple crappy fights in a row, and be like, alright, look, this, this, this trick's over, let's get back to the real pros, the professionals, and eventually there's going to be a professional like that I I feel like I've tried to call every single time. There's a professional that's just going to kick somebody in the face and just knock them out, and it's going to be bad. It's like, well, that's the reason you shouldn't step in the ring. But hey, that is just my quick two cents on boxing, and you're going to be like, all right, your ears, you're plugging your ears, you're covering for it. I, I know. Let's talk about Julio Jones. Julio Jones, the former Falcons wide receiver, has been traded to the Tennessee Titans for a second-round pick. I'm scratching my head. Is this DeAndre Hopkins all over again? But all jokes aside, this was something that was kind of expected. It was in the talks. It was in the works. You could go on the sports betting odds and the Twitterverse and all this stuff, and you'd see that Julio Jones' name has been thrown out there with teams like the Tennessee Titans, the New England Patriots. If you've seen A.J. Brown's social media, he's been pressing hard, poor, for Julio Jones to join this team. He's been more of like the advocate. He's been the general manager for this. But what does it mean for Tennessee, a team that really has this sort of identity? And when I associate Tennessee and a football identity, I go, they run the football. They have Derrick Henry, who's obviously one of the best running backs in the league, ran for 2,000 yards last year. Tennessee made the playoffs. They lost to the Baltimore Ravens against Lamar Jackson. But to me, it is a team that was always run first and ask later if they're going to pass. So they run this Really brilliant offense with Arthur Smith, who's now the Falcons head coach. It's crazy how that works. It's kind of interlooped with each other. This whole 
you can point arrows back and forth to how it all works, but Arthur Smith was something where he wanted to make Ryan Tannehill comfortable. He wanted to use play action to set up his passes. So Derrick Henry would be the, the, the bell cow. He would be the guy that got 20 touches a game and got over 100 yards. It would start pretty slow, but during the third and fourth quarter when he's got that second gear, you don't have to worry about it because then you've got, you can run the ball with Derrick Henry and get five, six yards. You could run these short, immediate routes, or you could do play action and throw deep. And Tannehill's got a really beautiful deep ball. At first, I was like, really? Because there was this big quote that Julio Jones put out there. He wanted a deep-armed QB that could compete for a Super Bowl. And part of me was like, Titans, really? I mean, all right. But I guess it's not really his decision. It wasn't free agency. And in some of these cases, traits have really become free agency, have they? Because if a player has enough like respect within an organization, you know Julio never causes any problems for Atlanta, never does anything out there or outlandish or anything really bad, you can get a lot of respect and really kind of because the Falcons could have easily been like, all right, I guess you're going to Houston now for this. We can give Houston a first-round pick, and Houston will be gladly take that. And you can make Julio's rest of his career miserable. But they decided to trade him to a playoff contender. And the back of my mind, I wasn't really, like, blown away. I wasn't like, whoa, this is game-changer. This is crazy. Because obviously Julio's going to replace Corey Davis. A.J. Brown and him will be the – I guess he Julio will be the number one. A.J. Brown will be the number two. And it'll be great for A.J. Brown because you'll probably get the same amount of touches. He won't have a DB1 on him because obviously all the attention. When you think about an offense with Julio Jones and Derrick Henry, you're one and two. You'd obviously say, hey, we need to respect the run. But we obviously need to say Julio Jones is a threat, a legitimate threat. We need to guard him and make sure that he doesn't do anything crazy. Like that Super Bowl catch and Super Bowl 51, that one was wow. But I'm getting off track here. But with the thing with Julio Jones... It wasn't like a thing where I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Because if he had been traded to the Packers, I would have been like, wow, Aaron Rodgers is going to show up to minicamp today. It's going to be great. But it doesn't really change my, and you guys have seen these last couple weeks, we've been doing Gray's divisional breakdowns. And I chose not to do it today because there was so many, like, there's so many events that were going on that I wanted to cover. Because then if I had done a Paul Mayweather reaction, I've done a Julio Jones reaction. I do my new take on college football free agency and then a NBA playoffs reaction, it would have been really jarring. It would have been really long. And usually I don't want to talk for 35 minutes when it's just me because obviously I don't think anybody can stand to listen to me talk for 35 minutes if we're being really honest here. And if you can, really put it down in the comments. I would really like to see how that – like let's let's do a poll here. Who can stand Grayson Mann for like longer than 25 minutes? I, I know McGregor downstairs can. I know – it, there's a there's takes it takes a brave soul to be able to stand me for 30 minutes but anyways I want to keep it short I wanted to keep it concise I always like to have like a 25 minute mark so you're not bored but at the same time I can't like ramble on for too long I want to make a quality podcast so I didn't I wasn't blown I was not blown away by this trade I wasn't blown away by the aspect of it because I think Tennessee's got a lot of problems and I don't think that they're going to win the division by any means because I think the Colts have this perfect mix with Carson Wentz, who's going to be comfortable. He's going to have Frank Reich with him. He's going to have a great offensive line. He's going to have everything that he didn't have in Philadelphia these last couple of years, which is support. And he's a QB where if things are in the right spot, it's going to go really well for him. And Indianapolis, first and foremost, is a great defense because I think with defense, and you saw with Tampa Bay this year, they had a pretty stellar defense. They were able to get to the quarterback. And you saw what happened. Yes, the argument you could counter there is that if Kansas City had their linemen, it'd be a different story. But I think 
Tampa Bay was able to cover so well. They were able to do so many different schemes and make the homes uncomfortable, which is something that not many teams are able to do, which is impressive. But with Indianapolis, I think that they're ready. They're prepared. They have this direction. I think Tennessee's defense is going to really help hold them back because Tennessee could be number one offense in the league, number one scoring offense, number one throwing offense, number one running offense. But if you have a bottom 15, bottom 20, bottom 25 even defense, and they drafted Caleb Farley, which again is a huge risk because we don't know how he's going to be after that back surgery. It's just something that goes, yeah, it's an improvement, but it kind of feels like when DeAndre Hopkins joined the Cardinals and everyone's like, oh, that's immediate division winner. It didn't pan out well that first year. They had to work out a lot of kinks. They had to work out a lot of cogs and on offense. And while it was a pandemic year, their defense still was not up to par. They've made upgrades this year. It's a t- much, much tougher division. Tennessee is going to make the playoffs for sure. That still is a thing. Tennessee is going to be a playoff team. They're a good enough roster. They got four games automatic in my mind against Jacksonville and Houston, teams that are rebuilding and struggling. Jacksonville may be a harder-earned win, but there'll still be a win. They might split something with Tennessee, but it's all about how they branch out. And we did that whole breakdown with the AFC South. Can Tannehill make that next step? Well, he's got a nice piece to help him make that choice and make that next significant, I guess, leap in his career. It's going to be great for Tannehill, but I'm worried about the defense for Tennessee. All right, when we return, we're going to talk about a new take, why I think college football needs to take this transfer portal and make it more of an event. And the NBA playoffs, quick initial reactions, and my sons are still in it. This is the Man with the Plan podcast. Hope you're having a fantastic day. We'll be right back. All right, and we are back. This is the Man with the Plan podcast. If you are just joining and you skipped ahead to see a specific topic, we talked about the Logan Paul-Floyd Mayweather fight, my reaction, my initial impressions, and what that means for boxing. We talked about Julio Jones, the trade for the Tennessee Titans. It's great, but Tennessee still has problems. Now, we're going to talk about college football because, gosh, we can't get enough of college football. It is personally one of my favorite things ever in life if I had to like survive on an island and I had to choose a couple things, I'd definitely bring a TV, and I'd bring CBS and ESPN and watch college football because I can't get enough of it. So in the offseason, there's a lot of things that take place. There's a lot of things that you wish would stay because football is not its not forever. It's very temporary, and I think that's what makes football so great is that it's condensed. It's not as long as the NBA. It's not as long as the MLB. It's not as long as the NHL, so you're not getting this six-month-long, seven-month-long, even year-round, just comfort that it's there. And I think for a lot of people, you could get sick of a sport really easily if it's on every single night. And I guess with football, if you told me football would be year-round, I'd initially go, oh my gosh, yes, please give it to me right now. I'll pay whatever you want. But you could get sick of it. You could get sick of all the, the blowouts, all the big upsets. You could be like, man, I just don't like football anymore. And you're going to like think I'm crazy, but... I get this a lot with like the MLB. People are just sick of a long 100 million game schedule for the casual person. No one wants to do that every single night, which is understandable. They have lives outside of that. So what makes football special is they plop it right in the fall. They plop it right when the, the weather's starting to get a little nicer, when things are starting to change, and you're like, wow, football is here. You're comforted. You feel good. But what happens when football's over? 
usually these big events happen. And I think with college football, they kind of merge into the NFL with the combine and the NFL draft. And I said, how can college football on their own make their own event? Because with the NBA and the NFL, what they do so, so well is I think they really capitalize on how can we make our offseason a business? How can we make our offseason better and more entertaining? Because I think for the casual fan, no one's going to really care if the safety from USC transfers to U of SC in Carolina. But I think what the NCAA could really do, and I think it's really picked up these last couple years with this transfer portal and people are starting to dub this thing college football free agency, I think that's fascinating. And I was talking to my brother about how could the, how could college football make that a business? How could the NCAA monetize that? And now with the players being able to soon be able to make their own money off of their name and their likeness, I think you could start to tr- change this transfer portal thing and kind of make it into an event. Let's say you could have, you poke it like right in March and April and you have this two-month period where they can only transfer at this specific time. And you, you'd say, how do they do that? Because they're college kids, they got the classes and the stuff. You extend it a little period of time, you have these shows weekly, and it's like the transfer portal update and stuff like that. And I think it's almost the same concept as a free agency in NHL and an NBA, NFL, where a, t- a player declares they're no longer going to sign with a specific team, and then they look for suitors. And I think that's the same for college football to find their needs. You go, I'm a DB at Washington University, but I'm not getting enough playing time because this guy's a first-round draft pick. I know I'm a first-round draft pick too, but I need that playing time. Let me transfer to Ohio or maybe the Miami or something in like the ACC where I can show my skills against this talented wide receiver base. Or I want to transfer to Kentucky because there's a lot of talented receivers in Alabama and Georgia, and I could prove myself as a DB1. And they make this big announcement, and then there's suitors that come after for the specific DB I think you could really capitalize on that and make that a big event and make it condensed to where, yeah, someone transfers in January, but oh, somebody transfers in May. So then it's kind of like you're having to keep up with too much over a long period of time. It's too, it's too many days in between to really condense it and make it a storyline because, and this is something we talked about with Adam Hawk on the interview episode 32. It is on the channel. You can see the interview on YouTube or you can listen to the interview on Spotify, Apple, or whatever you get your podcast. Have to do that little plug in because it was such a damn great interview. I loved it. It was great. I digress. But hey, what the NFL and NBA do so well and what we talked about with Adam is the what if is fascinating. And that's what makes the draft so fascinating is because you and I can talk about, let's say that you and me are in a, let's, we're going to dinner. We're taught, we have to find something to talk about. There's no football on. So you could say, hey, what, what do you think about that DB that transferred to Kentucky? And it's like right in the two month period where they can only transfer. You're like, yeah, I think that thing's going to happen tomorrow. And Let's watch this ESPN uh, free agency special with college football. Let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation. What do you think he's going to do? What do you think he'll bring to Kentucky, a team that could really use a strong DB and make their team better, maybe even compete in the SEC more? And you start to have that conversation, but you go, oh, that wide receiver from Tennessee is really good. Maybe he'll transfer to Clemson next year, or maybe he'll transfer to NC State, maybe a team that can compete for an ACC championship and try to dethrone Clemson. That could be something huge. Oh, I see North Carolina is getting a new running back to replace Michael Carter and Javante Williams. But it can only happen in March and April. So you get these rumors building up in January and February. And you get this big, this whole topic is a what if. It's something that I'd be really fascinated by. Because the NBA free agency, the NFL free agency, stuff builds up beforehand. You have this 
anticipation. You're slowly but surely getting to that point. And then college football becomes this big event. And during the draft, when teams and players are leaving and making their decisions, these players could be impacted by what if someone just stays or doesn't declare for the draft. Or let's say that for some wild reason, Justin Fields was like, you know, I'm not NFL ready. And I, I said, what if? Because this would be absolutely insane of him. But he wanted to come back to Ohio State for another year. What about the new quarterback that's coming in? Or the guy that wants to be the new QB for Ohio State? Does he transfer in this time now because Fields is back? Or does he compete for a job? It's these things that these so many what-if scenarios that you could pluck from that make it so fascinating to me. And I think the NCAA would be fantastic at capitalizing on such an event. It would be all about monetizing it, making it for the players, making it for the people that consume college football that love it, and make that such an event to where they can't turn away. They have something to look forward to. Oh, the national championship's over, but two months down the road, we have the big transfer portal free agency period where players can make their decisions and there's no contracts, there's no binding things. After a year, you can pretty much announce whatever you want, and you can take off. So that, you could have a lot more players come through. Now, how does that impact the programs, per se? It could make the Clemsons and the Alabamas a little more powerful, but you could also have those upsets where those smaller schools get those gems, and those players turn those programs into big powerhouses. I'm an optimist, so I really like to generally look at it as a good thing, and I'm sure if you've got your counter to that, I'd love to hear it, but it's just a big what-if that I've been thinking about and really wanted to put on the show. So that is my take on college football free agency. Before we wrap up, I really want to get into the NBA playoffs real quick. And I digress, like I said, with the Paul Mayweather fight. I'm not an expert on basketball. I'm not an expert on hockey or baseball or whatever. I just like to talk about it. And this is my outlet to talk about sports. So I have that unique opportunity, and I really want to use it that way. So with the NBA playoffs, I said... Back in when I was in school, I said something about the Nets and the Lakers. And I said, it wasn't the foregone conclusion we think it is. I was right and I was wrong. <laughs> because I think the Lakers, they had a lot to deal with the injuries. They had LeBron with the high ankle sprain. We saw that it really impacted how he carried himself in this year's playoffs. He was a little more reserved, a little more laid back. Not laid back in terms of like he didn't care, but he was a little more iffy on the way he treated his body. Because this was going to be a tough year because he was the seventh seed playing a lot of road games, you're playing a lot of games where you were having to carry the team because the Lakers were not really built to have this big collapse in the end. And you could you contribute that to the, the long hiatus with the bubble. You're playing a lot of basketball since then because they didn't really have a break because it was October when the finals were and then immediately we're like, all right, we're going into December with a new season. So it was like, what? I've been off for like three weeks. What are you guys doing? It was kind of like, oh, hey, what the heck? But what I really thought was fascinating is that there was a team like the Suns that a lot of people picked to lose. And I really wanted to see that underdog because it's unique to have a seven seed be the favorite in a series, especially when it's not March Madness, when it's seven games. So the, there's a potential for a big game one where the seven seed comes out with a lot of energy and then the two seed takes care of business. But it was unique because LeBron, Anthony Davis coming against an inexperienced playoff team with the exception of Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. So I got my wish. The Suns are still in it. They won game one last night. And on the other hand, the Nets look unstoppable. I said that with, and I had actually had this, I think when I make these takes, they like just explode because when I said with the Buccaneers, when they were seven and five, they just lost to the Chiefs. I said, there were too many mouths to feed. Who's going to be the guy to step up? And then the Bucs won the Super Bowl. With the Nets, I said the same thing. There's a lot of mouths to feed. There's a lot of players that want their touches, want their shots. Who's going to be that guy? And they've steamrolled the Bucs twice. They've taken care of Boston handily. 
and they have a really depleted Sixers team, and they got a Hawks team that probably doesn't have the firepower to withstand a Nets onslaught because they don't really play defense either. So it could be a really entertaining Eastern Conference Finals where it's like 140 to 143. That'd be kind of fun. Now that I think about it, wow. Okay. I'm going to write that down later. Okay. So I was right and I was wrong with that, with how I viewed that Lakers-Nets like, this is, this is what it's going to be like. This is this foregone conclusion. It's Cavs-Warriors all over again. And I was like, not so fast. There's a lot of good teams out there. I loved the Clippers series, Luka Doncic. I, I'm really more or less listing off what I liked and what I loved to see. And obviously with the NBA, a lot can change in a day. And we got the Hawks tonight. We've got, I think it's the, um, there's something, there's another series tonight. Oh, it's the um, game one, the Clippers and the Jazz. The Clippers are such a weird team because they're kind of a mess. Because you don't know what you're going to get with Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. You don't know what you're going to get with the Jazz either. Because nobody watches the Jazz. Let's be, it's Utah. There's not, it's not a big market. And I was listening to a podcast. And they said the unfortunate thing is if we have a finals where it's Utah or Phoenix. And then there's a team like Atlanta. It's going to be kind of down on the viewership because they're not the big markets. But I think Trey Young with the Hawks has done something so unique. Is that he's been in the playoffs once. Yet everybody that he plays just hates him. Can't stand him. And I think Trey Young embraces that. He's a performer. Most of these NBA guys are. And they just embrace this villain mentality. And the best thing was when he bowed in Game 5 against the Knicks. And he was like, this is what people do in New York after a show. So, so I bowed for him. I was like, wow, this guy's really embraced this villain mentality. He's like the he's chuckling in the interviews. I was like, wow, this guy's great. I love watching this. So while the big markets aren't out there, the NBA does a great job of bringing in new, unique stars to bring to the forefront for the next generation of NBA stars. I'm really excited. Doncic, Tatum, Trey Young, Devin Booker. It's exciting. So while brief, I really just wanted to give my impressions on the playoffs. I love enjoying just sitting down and watching a game, especially the close ones. I hate blowouts so much in basketball because it's just boring. Quick, It's quickly over. And with the NFL, it's kind of interesting because blowouts are boring, but I like kind of watching how a team responds. In basketball, it kind of feels over before it even begins. And the Nets have kind of done that to me. So we'll see how that progresses. But guys, anyways, today, this was the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 34. Thank you for listening. If you stuck through this podcast this long, thank you so much. You guys know who you are. Keep spreading the word on this podcast. Keep sharing it with your friends and your family. Have a fantastic week. And as always, take care.